Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunbawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. All right, let's go. A brand new day of Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Tuesday, May the 9th of 2023. Eight minutes after five o'clock on an absolutely chamber of commerce. Gorgeous Tuesday afternoon in the South Bend area. Beautiful sunshine. I haven't seen the temperature. It's got to be in the upper 70s. We deserve it, darn it. Let's enjoy it with a little Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your radio, whether you're joining us on 960 AM WSBT or streaming at WSBTradio.com and on our WSBT radio app. Don't forget, if you're in your car, use your app. And I will sound crystal clear. Okay, a little better than regular old AM radio, just a little tip. We also have a video stream of the program on the Twitch app. You can see I'm proudly supporting my Notre Dame hockey polo today here in the studio. Well, on the program, we've got two hours to work with tonight because the South Bend Cubs are playing in the central time zone this week. They're going to take on those pesky timber rattlers from Wisconsin Tonight through Sunday, you can hear the action here on WSBT Radio. Great news for Cub fans in the area today. 2022 first-round pick out of the University of Oklahoma. And Cade Horton is coming to South Bend. That's a part of our hat trick of opening topics we'll get to coming up in just a moment. Later on, you're going to hear from the new quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, Anthony Richardson. He has met the Colts media after some rookie camp work. So you'll hear from the new QB down in Indy in just a little bit. We have our Twitter question of the day coming up. How about a My 5 today of who are the top five draft prospects that you will see in a Notre Dame football game 
in 2023. You want evaluation of football players? We've got it for you coming up. Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike Singer is back on the program tonight. His conversation comes your way right around 6.15 or so here on WSBT Radio. And we wrap up the program with a little sports wagering talk in our Sizzler segment. Two and two last night. Our hypothetical $10 bets on our four wagers. We grossed to $1.59. That's it. That won't even buy dessert at Sizzler, so we'll have to do better. But the good news is nine consecutive shows, not having a losing day. We'll put on the line tonight with four more suggestions here on WSBT Radio. Before we get to our hat trick of opening topics, right before the program, some news came out of the Notre Dame men's basketball office. They have announced three signings today, joining Marcus Burton of Penn High School as the class of 2023 for new basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury. And the three signings today, Kerry Booth, Logan Imes, and Braden Shrewsbury. Kerry Booth, 6'10 forward out of Inglewood, Colorado. He has been rising up the ranks, a top 100 player in all of these services, number 11 at his position. Out in Colorado, averaged 10.6 points and 7.7 rebounds in 22 games as a senior. This is a high-end level player that was going to go to Penn State where his dad played, but he's coming with Micah Shrewsbury to South Bend. Calvin Booth is the father of Kerry Booth. Calvin Booth played 11 years in the NBA and right now in the front office of the Denver Nuggets who are trying to win an NBA championship. They'll take on the Phoenix Suns in Game 5 of their Western Conference second-round series in the Mile High City later tonight, and that'll be a part of our Sizzler segment at the end of the program. According to Coach Shrewsbury, in a press release press release, excuse me, from Notre Dame, on Kerry Booth, quote, Kerry will be a great addition to our program. His combination of size, athleticism, and skill will make him a unique player for opposing teams. He is a player that keeps rapidly improving. I can't wait to get him on campus because his best days are ahead of him, end quote. Player number two is Logan Imes, a 6'4 guard from Zionsville, Indiana, eighth best prospect in the state of Indiana, AP, third team All-State selection from Zionsville. And Imes averaged 16.9 points, 5.6 rebounds, three assists, and a steal during his senior season at Zionsville, where he became the ninth 1,000-point scorer in school history. Shrewsbury on Imes, quote, Logan's versatility will be a big asset for us. He can play multiple positions and is comfortable with or without the ball in his hands. He is also a tenacious defender, taking on tough challenges on the defensive end. Logan is a strong student and a great teammate. He will be a great fit at Notre Dame, end quote. And the third individual who signed today as a part of the class of 2023 for Notre Dame basketball, it's the coach's son, Braden Shrewsbury, a 6'3 shooting guard ranked as the 32nd best shooting guard in the country. And he has played AAU ball on the Indiana Elite alongside his future Irish teammate, Logan Imes. A reminder that Braden Shrewsbury played two years of high school basketball 
in Indiana at West Lafayette High School before finishing his prep career at State College Area High School. He was one of six finalists for Pennsylvania's Mr. Basketball. Shrewsbury averaged 17.4 points, 4.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists, and a steal during his senior season, leading the Little Lions to a record of 25-3. and Here's Dad talking about Son, which is kind of cool. Quote, Braden is going to be a great addition to our program. He is a great shooter who has also improved his overall game. He is a relentless worker who will embrace the culture of hard work that we want our program to be about. End quote. So there you go, the class of 2023, 6'10 forward, Kerry Booth. You've got 6'4 guard, Logan Imes, 6'3 guard, Braden Shrewsbury, and the already signed Mr. Basketball of Indiana from Penn High School, Marcus Burton. So there you go. It's probably a top 25 class right off the bat for Micah Shrewsbury in his first very brief recruiting cycle at the University of Notre Dame. And you can hear Irish basketball once again this fall right here on this very channel, 960 AM WSBT. Here we go with our hat trick of opening topics for this Tuesday evening. And we have quite the baseball theme in our hat trick tonight. We start with Cade Horton being promoted from low A Myrtle Beach to the high A South Bend Cubs. Let me give you a little background on Cade Horton, the newest member of the South Bend Cubs. 2021 underwent Tommy John surgery as a member of Oklahoma. That was in February of 2021. The 2022 season in Norman, a Norman high school kid playing for the Sooners, 14 games, 11 starts, 53 and two-thirds innings thrown by Horton with the Sooners, giving up 55 hits. 15 walks, 64 strikeouts, and he struck out 10.7 batters per nine innings. He was also a position player, played a little bit in the infield, hit 235 with a home run and 17 driven in. Now, you could say his 2022 season at Oklahoma could be split into two parts, pre-slider and post-slider. He was not pitching well early on last season, when he started working on a new grip for a cutter slider. And once he got that pitch going, it was a difference maker. His first start after learning the new grip of the slider, he struck out nine. In the postseason last year, helping Oklahoma to get to the College World Series, 31 innings pitched, a 261 ERA, and you love these numbers. In 31 innings, 49 strikeouts, and only six walks. So the rise of Cade Horton was quick. The Cubs were on him, actually met with him two years ago in a pre-draft meeting. But they love what they saw out of Horton, and the Cubs took Cade with the first-round pick, number seven overall. He's 6'1", 211, a right-handed pitcher. Now, he did not pitch in the minors last year, which is common. College pitchers throw a lot of innings in the spring. Oftentimes, or most times, the top pitching prospects don't throw the rest of the year to give their arms a break. Now, some might throw a few innings just to get their feet wet. In professional baseball, the Cubs let Horton sit. 
So, he made his minor league debut at Low A Myrtle Beach earlier this year. And in four starts with the Pelicans, he only threw 14 and a third innings. He was on a strict pitch count. Eight hits, two earned runs, four walks, 21 strikeouts. His strikeouts per nine innings went up to 13.2. His ERA with Myrtle Beach, 1.26. He's labeled as a right-handed starter with mid to upper 90s fastball. That slider that he developed, that has become a wipeout strikeout pitch for Horton. And he also has a pretty good changeup. He gave up his only home run at Myrtle Beach on a changeup that he hung. Otherwise, it's been a plus pitch for Horton. Now, the last time Cade pitched with Myrtle Beach was six days ago on May the 3rd. Four innings, five hits, two earned runs, a walk, and seven strikeouts. Cade Horton has joined the South Bend Cubs. He is apparently in Wisconsin for that series against the Timber Rattlers that gets underway tonight. I would imagine he will start over the next couple of days. He started six days ago. Normally, you get a week off. So over the next couple of days, expect Horton to make his debut. And the Cubs are away from four wins field for the next two weeks. So the next time you will see the Cubs at Four Winds Field, Tuesday, May 23rd against Dayton. You would assume, barring an injury, that Horton will pitch in that series against the Dragons, the Cincinnati Reds affiliate in the Midwest League. So good news for Cub fans of the area. Another chance to see a first-round pick. It all started back in 2015 when Ian Happ went number nine to the Cubs out of the University of Cincinnati. We saw Happ in South Bend in that 2015 campaign, and now another number one pick is coming to town. And right-handed pitcher from the University of Oklahoma, Cade Horton. Expectations are extremely high in the Cubs front office for this right-hander out of Oklahoma. Our second hat trick of opening topics for tonight, the Notre Dame baseball team and... They're probably biting their fingernails just a little bit. Hopefully not the pitchers. They need those fingernails to rip off some good curveballs. But the Irish right now are trying to fight their way into the NCAA tournament. Last weekend's results was a bit of a speed bump. Notre Dame was taking on North Carolina State in an ACC showdown at Frank X Stadium. Won a thriller in game one, 9-7, but two clunkers. End of the series with two losses for Notre Dame, losing 6-1 and 5-1. So that kind of pushed Notre Dame back to, in most projections, in the field. But their margin for error could be all but gone. They cannot afford a slip-up coming down the stretch. So, after losing two out of three to NC State, Notre Dame's RPI fell down to 43 And that's near the cutoff of making the tournament as an at-large team. RPI is a big part of the selection process for the 64-team NCAA baseball tournament. So with the Irish at 43, you have to factor in conference champions. They're going to steal bids. So at the end of the day, 43 might be okay, but it's close. Now, the Irish resume, beside that 43 RPI, they're 26-19, and 19, which doesn't sound like an overly great record. 
They're 14 and 13 of the ACC, but they've had quality wins in the very difficult ACC, which puts them in a good spot. Now, here's the issue. Their RPI more than likely will go down just by stepping on the field at X Stadium on Friday in a non-conference game against Akron. If you follow the NCAA tournament and your favorite team's resume, you know if you play a bad team, it actually, oddly enough, can hurt you, even if you win. But Notre Dame will take on Akron, whose RPI is 227. Ouch. And it's a three-game series. You lose one of those games, that could be something very difficult for the Irish to overcome. Or should we say they would have to have a fantastic ACC tournament. Now, let's push aside the weak Akron games. It may come down to what the Irish do in their next series in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. The Eagles are number eight in RPI, so a big opportunity to pick up some points lost playing Akron. You win two out of three, you might be in great shape. You lose two out of three, and then you start biting your fingernails once again. Now, the Irish have four non-conference games left. We mentioned the three against Akron, and then you've got one game against Northwestern coming up at Wrigley Field in Chicago. The Irish have already hammered Northwestern one time this year. They'll meet again on the north side of Chicago, and again, not a big help. Northwestern's RPI is 259. Now, some of you might be saying, well, why are you playing these teams that maybe you thought were going to be bad and are bad? Well, Link Jarrett, the former Notre Dame head coach, touched on this when he was the head coach of the Fighting Irish before leaving after last year's College World Series run to take the job at his alma mater, Florida State. He pointed out to us in the media what's very difficult for Notre Dame baseball to overcome is the scheduling of midweek games. Normally you play a non-conference game, for example, on a Tuesday, and then you have your conference series Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. As Link described to us, one of the problems is you look around the immediate area of South Bend, and I'm mentioning that because you've got to bring in a team for one game and look at the team's in closest proximity that might be an opponent, there's not a lot to choose from. There's not a lot of great quality teams. So Notre Dame, I'll put it this way, possibly has to settle to play some low RPI teams just to fill those spots on Tuesdays. Now, could Purdue and Notre Dame schedule something home and away? They probably could. I doubt Indiana would want to do that and vice versa. I mean, you've got Valpo, Central Michigan, Western Michigan. Some of the teams, IPFW. You can play those type of teams, Butler. But they're just not going to help you RPI-wise. Now, if you're down in Florida, if you're in North Carolina, my heavens, you can schedule quality non-conference opponents because you have a lot to choose from due to the quality of teams even among mid-majors. But we're kind of stuck in MAC Big Ten country, and that's not the most high-end baseball in the country. So 
it's something really Notre Dame can't avoid. They have to play some of these low RPI teams just to get those midweek games scheduled. So you can't blame Notre Dame. They have to schedule someone. Akron and Northwestern are close enough to play the series. As an example, they're on the schedule, and Notre Dame will have to make the best of it. So, yeah, being in the Midwest makes it difficult to schedule quality non-conference midweek games. Now, it's not like you want Murderer's Row every Tuesday. You want some games that can give you a little bit of a breather, get some extra at-bats for someone or an inning or two for someone in your bullpen that's not used a whole lot, but it does make it a little more nerve-wracking come this time of the year. Fortunately, the Irish are in a fantastic conference to help offset some of the weaker non-conference games that they basically have to play. So not a done deal yet. We've seen Notre Dame as a two seed, but that RPI at 43, you have to hold your breath a little bit. Let's see if Notre Dame can take care of business. If they go, I would say six and one in that seven game stretch, which means you sweep Akron, you beat Northwestern, you take two out of three from BC. You would have to imagine that's going to be enough to get them into the field of 64 and give them a chance to go back-to-back to to Omaha for the College World Series. Man, was that a lot of fun last year. That was a blast, including hushing all those folks down in Knoxville, including the ones in the home dugout wearing the Tennessee Orange. 528 is our time. Darren Pritchett on Sportsbeat, our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. We've got one more baseball topic to get to. And it was an interesting night at Wrigley Field last night. Now, I kind of set up the whole Wilson Contreras thing last night of the program, being taken out of the catching duties by the Cardinals after just 24 games, not meeting the standard of what they want out of a catcher. He was not happy about it. Can't blame him. And basically, the Cardinals front office, with their words and the manager's words, have made Wilson the scapegoat for one of the worst starts in Cardinal history. I'm on the side of Contreras in this spot, and the front office is spewing all this propaganda, trying to cover up the fact they did a lousy job building their pitching staff this year. We'll leave that there. Now we'll get to Wilson coming back to Wrigley Field in front of the home fans where he spent so many years, including helping the Cubs to win the 2016 World Series. It was an awkward night for Contreras. First off, they had a pregame video tribute on the video board at Wrigley for Contreras, and there was a mix of boos and cheers. When he arrived at home plate for his first at bat, he acknowledged the Cub dugout, Marcus Stroman, on the mound, as a lot of boos rained down at Wrigley Field, they were washed away eventually by some cheers, but it wasn't like it was a rambunctious cheer like, yeah, he's back. It was kind of like, yeah, like a golf clap. Now, I understand to an extent why some Cub fans might be bitter. First off, he went to the rival team, down I-55. That doesn't help. It also doesn't help that Contreras made a couple of comments that could have 
made some Cub fans unhappy. Cub fans know as well as anybody how emotional this guy is. I mean, he gets a little worked up at times. I'm sure he was extremely disappointed that he did not get the chance to continue on as a Cub. And as an emotional individual, he mentioned he, I'm going to paraphrase, that the Cardinal organization was better than the Cubs organization. Now, without starting a fist fight, historically speaking and factually speaking, he's correct, but not something you should say. So if that is what turned Cub fans against him, I'm not sure I'm on the same page with you. He is one of the guys that help you win something that you always wanted to see happen. The Cubs win the World Series. That should take the place of any knucklehead emotional comment that he made. Think about it. He helped this team win the World Series and end the longest championship drought in sports history among teams that have won one. Big part of that. And if you're going to be upset over his comment, so be it. You're a fan. You can react however you want. But can I just remind you this? There are so many Cub fans that want to extend their arms as far as they can and welcome Sammy Sosa back into the Cubs family. We want a reunion. Sammy and the Cubs getting back together. From afar, it doesn't look like the Cubs organization is overly interested in bringing Sammy back into the family. Wasn't exactly a great exit for Sammy Sosa. The guy that you want to give a big hug to, let's remind you, 2004, the final game of the regular season. The Cubs were the favorite to win their division. Didn't go so well. The Redbirds ended up winning it that year. But Sosa came to the ballpark for the final game of the year. Arrived, never put on his uniform. And he only arrived 70 minutes before first pitch, mind you. And right after first pitch, he hopped in his car and he quit on your baseball team. He quit on your team. So not only did he quit on your team, he was a cheater on two different occasions using steroids. Well, sorry, never proven, but I think we can all agree. He and Mark McGuire both are tainted. McGuire admitted it. Sammy won't. And also, let's don't forget, Sammy Sosa cheated the game of baseball by using a cork bat that exploded on the field at Wrigley Field. So he's a double cheater. Yet we want to give this guy a hug who cheated the game twice, but yet an emotional kid who loved the Cubs, who made a comment about the Cubs organization and the Cardinal organization. You're going to throw him in the river just like that. You're going to boo him even though he helped you win a World Series. That just doesn't add up to me. If this is a Cardinal thing, get over it for crying out loud. Now, Wilson... I was not happy as a fan last night. His actions, putting his hands above his head, asking for more booze. Shut up and play the game, Contreras. That's not how we do it in St. Louis. If that's a Chicago thing, great. We don't do that here. So that was lousy. That was stupid. And that was just causing him more grief 
more booze from the Cub vans. We don't need a villain. He was acting like the villain of a movie last night. We don't need that. Just be quiet, pick up your bat, run to first base. It's pretty simple. But I just thought that was strange for a world champion, especially a Cub world champion, to get booed. The comments he made about St. Louis and the Cubs, that's not worth that. Get over it. Get over it. Guy did a lot for the organization. He was not a great defensive catcher. St. Louis is finding that out now the hard way. And you know what? The last laugh is on them for wasting $85 million or $87 million on a guy. After 24 games, they will not let catch. He's the DH. So Jed Hoyer's laughing his tail off, I'm sure, right now. Away from the cameras and the microphones. All right, 535 is our time. Sports Beat here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT continues with a little Colts talk, and you'll hear from the new quarterback, Anthony Richardson, next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. It is 20 minutes in front of 6 o'clock on this Tuesday evening. Great to have you on board. Sports Beat Live on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Let's talk some National Football League action. We've spent a little time discussing the Chicago Bears the last couple of days with their rookie camp coming and going. Now let's focus on the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know if there's anything more exciting on draft day when your team picks a quarterback, a quarterback that has high expectations to lead your team to bigger and better things, the type of guy that might be a franchise quarterback for your team for the next decade, if not longer. As we have learned through the years in the NFL draft, there are no certainties, even number one overall picks that are quarterbacks. Some of them don't work out. Tim Couch, a prime example, had a great career at Kentucky, didn't work out for the Cleveland Browns or Couch in the National Football League. But the Indianapolis Colts, after piecing together the quarterback position ever since Andrew Luck abruptly retired. They had their chance to draft a quarterback, a quarterback that can be theirs for many, many years. And they settle at number four on Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. Apparently this was the guy that they loved and they were monitoring what was going to happen with Arizona at three, wanting to trade out of that spot. They were worried about a team jumping them, moving up to number three. Apparently, the Colts' front office had told Arizona, we will beat anything that you get in regards to a trade for that number three spot. Fortunately, Arizona traded with the Texans, who already took a quarterback at two, C.J. Stroud. They took Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, and that left the Colts the opportunity to draft Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, whomever they wanted at the quarterback position, and they wanted the guy from Gainesville, and they got Anthony Richardson. So Anthony met the Colts media. He was asked how quickly he got the playbook and how deep into the playbook is he at this point. Uh, got it the day after the draft. You know, they gave it to me. 
Uh, just gave me like base install so I can get familiar with things, kind of get ahead. Um, I feel like I'm working through it pretty well, you know, getting familiar with it, custom with it, and just trying to, you know, just get better with it every day. What's the biggest challenge that you, you faced trying to get up to speed? Uh, the biggest challenge, I would say, is the timing of it. You know, trying not to rush into it and trying to get too far ahead, you know, because um, I'm just trying to grasp the inf information, you know, as much information as I can, not trying to necessarily rush into it. Um, you know, just trying to perfect certain things just so I can just get better out there in practice. How, how much more or bigger is the playbook than the one you had at Florida? And I, it's a decent size, you know, uh, it's bigger, you know, uh, a lot of plays, you know, got a lot of weapons out there, so you got to, you know, scheme on certain things to get them open, get them the ball. But, you know, uh, it's pretty, pretty lengthy, you know, play calls and, and playbook. Well, here's the good news for Anthony Richardson. First off, they have Minshaw, who they picked up as the free agent, the former Jaguar and Eagle quarterback. He can run this offense until Richardson gets comfortable. There is no rush to get Anthony Richardson on the field, a quarterback who completed only 56% of his throws for Florida last year. But when you saw him with the football, extremely dynamic. And with development, this could be one heck of a football player for Indianapolis. The other good news for Richardson is the people around him. Now you have a lot of money that the Colts invested in their offensive line, led by Notre Dame left guard Quentin Nelson. For whatever reason, that group took a step back last year. With the proper coaching, you would hope that group can return to the level from the year before. If they can do that, that sets up the Colts' offense to have success. If it's the same as last year, it's going to be tough on whoever the quarterback is. Now, if you got the offensive line back where it needs to be, you have the luxury of giving the football to one of the most dynamic running backs in the NFL. You look at his numbers two years ago. Off the chart, Jonathan Taylor had an amazing season. Last year was a different story. The offensive line issues, injuries. Taylor never missed, what, a game or a practice in high school, college, or to that point, his pro career, but the injuries caught up with him. He has the capabilities of being the workhorse for this Colts offense to take pressure off the quarterback position, but it all starts with the guys up front if they can play at a high level once again. Richardson. Has he talked to his coaching staff about some things he'd like to see in the offense? Maybe something he ran at Florida. Kind of uh, communicated that throughout, you know, my visit and stuff. You know, they were saying just in case they, they got me, they seen stuff I excelled at, at Florida. They're trying to uh, implement that. But we haven't necessarily, like, talked about it and doing it in practice and stuff. But, you know, eventually I feel like we'll do that once I, you know, get a full grasp of the whole playbook. And once like, we feel like I'm comfortable and ready now to explore different options. Well, he is great getting outside the pocket. I'm not comparing him, but you can see similarities in what Justin Fields did with the Bears. Richardson at Florida, if he feels the pressure coming in the pocket, can get out of dodge, get out of trouble, and make big plays with his legs. Also, you saw him at times make some – very good throws on the move at Florida. I think there's going to be still a learning curve for him going to the National Football League. 
and I think he's going to have to take some steps forward in going through the progression, something that Justin Fields is still working through right now at Hallis Hall. But you watch some of the film of him at Florida, you see some of these certain plays, it gives you hope that everything else will fall into place. And you don't want to say he's got the ability to be like Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields. You don't want to put that on him. But there are parts of his game that you see from some of the upper echelon multitasking quarterbacks in the National Football League. 547, Darren Pritchett with you, Sportsbeat, talking Colts football and hearing from their first-round pick, the new quarterback, Anthony Richardson. They also picked their name saw. If you're an Irish fan, you remember Josh Downs of North Carolina being a pain in the neck, an outstanding receiver for North Carolina. The Colts picked him. So you got a couple of rookies, Richardson and Downs, coming to Indianapolis for rookie camp. You do some of the medical stuff, and all of a sudden you're going back to the hotel. So Downs says, hey, go grab your football. Let's throw around in the parking lot of the hotel. And that's exactly what happened. Here's Anthony Richardson. No, I didn't think it was crazy. You know, um, first day in, you know, we were going through medical and all that. I went in the equipment room and got a football so I can, you know, get custom with it, you know, fill it around a little bit. Uh, he saw me carrying it around. You know, I knew he wanted to work because he's a dog. He's going to want to work. Um, I think we had just finished, like, meeting or something. And he texted me, he's like, when we get to the hotel, you want to throw? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down for it. So, you know, uh, threw the ball with him, you know, for about 30 minutes. We chopped it up, got to know him a little bit. But, you know, he's a dog. He's always ready to work. How did it feel to play? Like, just, I know after months of doing the training, the testing, and, like, actually go out there and, like, okay, I can play the game that I've been doing since I was a kid. No, that was that was the best part, you know. Yesterday coming out to practice, you know, it was exciting. You know, no more lining up for forty, no more getting ready to do this certain drop. You know, now it's all ball. You know, I'm out there with my teammates having fun. So that was definitely exciting, and you know, I just had a big old smile on my face the whole day. You, uh, after you threw it, uh, Josh, in the parking lot, then the next day you get to do it in practice. What was that experience like? It looked like looked like you guys had a pretty good connection early on. No, just trying to get familiar with him in, in the uh, parking lot, you know, just toss it around, see what he can do, see his range and stuff. And going out there on the field, you know, just trying to get timing right. You know, he has great hands. You know, I'm going to try to deliver the ball as best as I can to him and just getting the ball so he can work. And finally, Richardson discussed his time in Gainesville playing for the Florida Gators, had to go through a couple of coaching changes there. So how did... Did he handle those moments at Florida, going through different coaches, learning new systems, and how that might help him coming to the NFL, learning the new system that the Indianapolis Colts will install? Justin, throughout you know my college career, you know getting new coaches all the time, you know um, learning new coaching styles, new playbooks, stuff in that sort. You know it kind of helps you adapt and adjust to certain things. So uh, coming here and just getting a feel for the coaches and adapting to how they coach me and how to communicate, you know, I um, think I've been doing that pretty well. But, you no, know, it's good just even being here and just being able to get coached by them. So uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting pretty well. Yesterday at practice, in between reps, you always kind of, like, mimic your throwing motion. Is that just, like, trying to drill what you have changed since the end of last year? Kind of what's the thought process behind that? Yeah, it's just getting comfortable, you know, um, the new teaching here and then just working on it, repping it every day. Because, you know, you only get so many, many reps. Other guys got to get their reps as well. So 
And I try to you know, go in the back. And while they're getting their reps, I try to get extra reps as well. I feel like extra reps will definitely pay off. So I just try to do that and just get comfortable, you know, like you said, just working on things from last year and just staying comfortable and staying consistent. What techniques that, that Coach Steichen and his staff teach that are a little different than what you're used to? And like what, what are some of those? So uh, the five-step drop out of the gun, you know, that's definitely different. Never did that uh, in college. So uh, just constantly repping that and getting better at that. But, you know, just speeding up my footwork. You know, they always told me that in the college I got to do that, speed up my footwork. So I'm always trying to work on that and get the timing right down with my receivers. Well, the shotgun at Florida, what would you have done? Like, shorter just, drop? Just normal three drop, I mean, three step with a hitch, you know, just simple stuff like that. There you go, Anthony Richardson, new quarterback for the Colts. And, Fun group of wide receivers he's going to get a chance to work with. The number one, Michael Pittman Jr. You got the kid from Cincinnati going into his second year, Alec Pierce. And I think Josh Downs from Carolina is going to help this Colts football team. So that's a pretty good group for Mr. Richardson to work with as he tries to learn his way in the Colts system. And eventually he is going to be the starter. Probably at some point, maybe not right off the bat, but at some point, you will see this guy from Florida take the field down in Indy. 5.52 is our time. You can hear Colts football on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton, this fall. And the NFL schedule comes out on Thursday. We'll take a timeout. Twitter question of the day coming up next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. 556 at WSBT. Here we go with yesterday's Twitter question of the day. From Monday's program, if I were to tell you the 2023 Notre Dame football team will end the regular season with a record of 10 and 2, you will be fill in the blank. Number one. Excited because 10 and 2 beats my current expectations. Choice number two. What I would expect from this year's team going 10 and 2. And the third choice. Disappointed. I have higher expectations than 10 and 2. Here's how the voting went on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Coming in third place, getting 20% of the vote. Excited because 10 and 2 beat my expectations. Coming in second place in the voting, just barely beating out third place at 21%. The fans who would be disappointed. And that the Irish, well, that would be below my expectations if they went 10 and 2. But the overwhelming favorite choice in yesterday's Twitter question of the day was 59%. 10 and 2, that's exactly what I expect out of the Fighting Irish this year. Now, as we started spring football, I looked at the schedule in the Irish roster and I said 9 and 3. Haven't changed it yet, but I feel... Much better about the team in a couple of areas that I feel like, yeah, I could be on board with that 10-2 and two thought. But I guess until I change my thought, I would be in the excited category. Long way to go before we have to make our final predictions on the upcoming season.
Thanks for voting. Now your new question today from this group of teams. Who would you like to see Notre Dame play a football series against? Your four choices from the Southeastern Conference, the Auburn Tigers. From the Southeastern Conference, the running rebels of Ole Miss. I think a lot of Irish fans wouldn't mind a little trip down to the Grove. A little hottie toddy down there in SEC country. Another choice from the Pac-12, the Oregon Ducks. And finally, from the Pac-12, you know, a program that's good every year. It would be a challenge from the Pac-12, the Utah Utes. So from this group of teams... Who would you like to see Notre Dame play a football series against? Auburn, Oregon, Mississippi, or Utah? Place your vote right now. Leave a comment on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. That's our Twitter question of the day. A sports update coming up in just a moment. Then we've got our My Five. You'll hear from Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, the latest on Notre Dame football recruiting and the Irish going after a very important offensive tackle. Details coming up in a couple of moments here on WSBT South Bend. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And today, who are the top five draft prospects that you will see in a Notre Dame football game in 2023? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We start with a defensive back from the University of Southern California, Kalen Bullock, two years with the USC Trojans, 87 total tackles, seven interceptions, and eight pass breakups. Last year, a first-team All-American, first-team All-American pro football focus. He had 48 tackles last year and five interceptions, one of the five interceptions against Drew Pine of the Fighting Irish. Four. Coming in at number four, JT Tumolu, the edge rusher from Ohio State. I said it much smoother in warm-ups. 28 tackles for JT last year, 10.5 tackles for loss, and 3.5 sacks. He also had a couple of interceptions, four pass breakups, and four quarterback hurries, but he was very quiet in the season opener against the Fighting Irish last year as he had just one tackle against Marcus Freeman's Fighting Irish. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Who are the top five draft prospects that you will see in a Notre Dame football game in 2023? Hey, we can pick someone from the Irish, and I will here. It is Joe Alt, the starting left tackle for the Fighting Irish, projected already as a top ten pick in next year's NFL draft. I think we all know this is going to be it for Joe in South Bend, barring something drastic happening. He is a fantastic talent for everybody that gets all worked up about the star system. This was a three-star that didn't get many offers coming out of high school, but thankfully the Irish got him, and he has turned into a fantastic left tackle. He's going to make a lot of cash 
and the National Football League. Number two. Another prospect you'll see in a Notre Dame football game this year. It is Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver from Ohio State. He might have been the best wide receiver in the country. At Ohio State's Pro Day, he might have been the most popular player to watch, and he couldn't be drafted. Harrison, 77 catches last year, 1,263 yards, averaged 16 yards per catch, 14 touchdowns, 97.2 yards per game for Harrison. He is going to be a handful for the Fighting Irish this year. Maybe a little Harrison Jr. against Morrison at Notre Dame Stadium. Number one. And finally, coming in at number one, pretty easy choice. He is expected to be the number one pick of the NFL draft. He is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. He plays his football at the L.A. Coliseum. We're talking about Caleb Williams. Williams, the USC quarterback, completed 66.6% of his throws last year, 4,000. 537 yards, 42 touchdown strikes with five interceptions, 113 rushes, 382 yards, 3.4 yards per carry, and 10 rushing touchdowns for the men of Troy last year. Some NFL draft analysts believe had Williams been in this year's draft, he would have been the number one pick, not Bryce Young. And C.J. Stroud, of course, went second. They might have been pushed back just a tad bit. Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Joe Alt. And you talk about the other two Ohio State players I had on the list, Kalen Bullock of USC. All of these guys are going to be playing at Notre Dame Stadium this year. USC, Clemson on the road, Ohio State here in South Bend. It is a fun, fun schedule. All right, 6.15 is our time. That's our My 5 for today, the top five prospects that you will see in a Notre Dame football game this year. We'll take a timeout. Plenty to talk about with Notre Dame football recruiting. That conversation with Mike Singer is coming up next on WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960. WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and on Twitch, as Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. It's a Tuesday, so we're talking Fighting Irish football recruiting with Mike here on 960 AM WSBT and a video feed of our conversation always available on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. And this is just one of the many videos that Blue and Gold puts out every single week. Ours may not be as explosive as some of the discussions that take place. So we're kind of like, I guess if you go to a wing place, we're the mild sauce, right? Compared to the the hot explosive conversations on some other channels. Don't sell sell yourself short, Darren. We got some good stuff in here. Oh, so we might get into it today then. I don't know about I don't think me and you are going to be arguing, but we always <laughs> have good stuff to talk right. about. Well, we have some explosive conversations. Hey, I always like talking about offensive line recruiting, and I don't mean that jokingly. It's been such a high-end part of Notre Dame football recruiting for many, many years. 
when we have a conversation about an offensive line prospect, I feel like this is the guy that can really help this football team maybe be a starter down the line and hopefully keep going the great tradition of Notre Dame offensive line play the last decade. So let's bring another name into the conversation, a 2024 offensive lineman, Gerby Lambert. So Gerby looks like he's a pretty big guy for a high school kid. Tell me about him. Six seven, two hundred eighty-five pounds, and I feel like that height weight is probably outdated. Yeah. Wouldn't it be shocking to me if he was closer to six eight, three hundred at this point. Number forty-five overall player, number two offensive tackle per the twenty twenty-four on three industry ranking. And the update today that we posted on Blue and Gold, I always like to tell people, you know, whether you're listening to uh, you know Darren's show or you know or, or watching our YouTube stuff. A lot of this Notre Dame recruiting information has already been on our website hours before you're hearing it, if not days. So I always like to tell people to head to the site. And, yeah, we did have this news. Um, elite offensive tackle – this is headline here. Elite offensive tackle, Gerby Lambert, to officially visit Notre Dame. And it is going to occur in June. And then there's a lot of other good stuff on the site. So I, I, I will add that this isn't the first time I've done a headline with <laughs> Gerby Lambert to visit Notre Dame. He was going to be on campus for the blue gold game with Bubakar Traore, uh, his high school teammate who signed with Notre Dame in December as part of the Jane, excuse me, as part of the, the 2023 recruiting class. Neither were able to make it in. Here's a really fascinating visits. And he's been a big time prospect for over a year now. And they were both to Boston college. And, or maybe it was just one time to Boston college, but I, I want to say it was two. So he really hasn't been able to get out on the road, but you know, expected to take that official visit to Notre Dame in June. Um, the Fighting Irish have a couple offensive line commitments. Uh, got Peter Jones, an interior player. Anthony Knapp, who's most likely an interior player. You know, Notre Dame definitely wants to round out this offensive line class with a tackle or two. Like if they land a player like Styles Prescott in the near future and, and state offensive lineman, who I also think is a tackle, I want to say they'll so you know say Gerby. Like they they want to get to four, you know, if it's the right group. So this has been Notre Dame's really I would say the top offensive tackle on the board. So him scheduling an official visit in June is, is definitely big news. Again, cross your fingers that it comes to fruition, folks. But as of now, you know that that visit's on. It's sad to think in the very near future we're going to have to move on from Joe Alt, who has been a guy we've talked about a lot in the program, but looking at the mock drafts for next year, top 10 prospect, Mike. I mean, it's just – I know we've mentioned it several times, but just an amazing story how far he's come. Darren, I'm not lying to you. I mean, this, this seriously could be a situation where Lambert is a true freshman starter. Well, there you go. Day. And it's like, wow, like, wow. But also, remember, Blake Fisher, he was going to be – or he was that that first game. Yeah. Um. You know that Florida State game, he was a starter, Blake Fisher. So it, it's it's not totally unheard of. Gerby Lambert's just he's a freaking nature. He's he's a, I mean he's a future, you know NFL guy. At least in my opinion, it's kind of early to project that, but he could be a three year starter in Notre Dame. Hmm. That says a lot. He really could be. And and again, I don't mean to, you know hype them up too much, but just tell me how I see it and different people I talk to. There's a lot of excitement around this young man, and um, you know, I think Notre Dame 
could even have the inside track to land him. Hmm. Okay, we'll keep an eye on Gerby Lambert, offensive tackle. Before I ask my next question, let me set it up by having you just go through a little information because I think people who are subscribers to your website, they follow you, they read all your stuff, so they know where this stands. I'm, I'm trying to bring in some of our listeners who maybe aren't subscribers yet, and maybe this will be a, another reason to join. But this is a busy time for Notre Dame coaches. They're out on the road right now. Yeah. So there's a spring evaluation period, which really is exactly – it's right there in the name, what it is. It happens in the spring, so mid-April to end of May. It's an evaluation period, so we'll, we'll talk about an offer that Notre Dame extended um, based on the spring evaluation period. Like they went out and saw a player and offered him in the 2024 class. And, you know, like there's coaches who – are really looking at their 2025 and 2026 boards like they're they're they want to get eyes on these recruits so that's like a huge part of the evaluation process obviously and yeah it, 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 it hit the road until april 27th they had spring ball right they're not going to pack up their bags and you know go before the you know conclusion of spring practice and then they had a few days to kind of put a bow on, on spring ball so um yeah, no head coach on the road during this period. Uh, Marcus Freeman, you know, was doing his world travels <laughs> during this time. That's what he's done this year and last year. He was at, you know, uh, what? He was in D.C. Or, or something in New York and then at Kentucky Derby. Like, he's doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I even saw Notre Dame did their own, you know, blogs. Back in Marcus Freeman travels. I Yesterday he was in South Bend. So we need, like, a, a local reporter just standing outside of – well, Freeman's <laughs> off to, to see where he's at. So, um, yeah, no head coaches on the road, but the 10 assistants are, are out just checking in at the high schools of their top 2024 targets. That's part of it. it there's a bump rule in place where, you know, they're not really allowed to have in-depth conversations, but if you happen to bump into them, you could say hi, I guess. The stupidest rule, but I, I guess it, it's not too stupid because – if the college coaches could just pull kids out of class and talk to them for a half hour, then one of the kids ever going to learn anything. But I guess also the bump rule might be going away. So who the heck knows, Darren? NCAA is always doing things. Um, so, yeah, does that answer your question? Yes. Um, yeah, you're, you're checking in on top 2024 targets at those high schools, commits as well. Like Joe Rudolph's been to, you know, Anthony Knapp's high school, an offensive line commit for the Irish Georgia. He's been to his high school twice. I think it was today and then last week. Um, so, and then, yeah, you're learning about other prospects who you might want to offer as well. Okay. With that being said, who's impressed you? Who's made an impact on the recruiting trail from an assistant coach's perspective? I've been pretty impressed with Gino Goduli. And I wrote about this in an article Monday morning called the Gold Standard at BloomGold.com. And I'm really not trying to throw shade at Tommy Reese when I say what I'm about to say, but it's just – it's feels different like from what I gather and talking to sources and you know whether it's the high school coaches the players the parents whatever it be like Gadouli is like a recruiting junkie like the guy lives to recruit and that's the perfect Marcus Freeman quarterbacks coach I mean uh, we talked about it last week there and Gadouli's already offered two 2026 quarterbacks when, when does Notre Dame offer freshmen it's not often in my four years on the beat I can think of three times Notre Dame offered the freshman quarterback. Those two, and then when Reese offered Bryce Underwood um, in 2021, I want to say. And Underwood's like the top quarterback in the 2025 class. The Irish are still hoping to land him. Work ethic on the recruiting trail. Um, 
how, how many 2025 quarterbacks and 2026 quarterbacks he's gone out to see. Again, not meaning any disrespect to Tommy Reese, but just Gadouli just seems to really love recruiting. And it, it, it just, it, again, it just feels different. Well, if you were with us last week when you were breaking down some of those offers that Notre Dame has sent out to quarterbacks, we're talking about not just quarterbacks, but high-end quarterbacks, maybe a quarterback Notre Dame wouldn't have offered a couple of years ago. So this is a, a major plus, and I love that Gino's willing to go after the high-end talent. If they say no, go somewhere else, on to the next one. But I just don't like settling anymore. Yeah, so there I think go. we're over that, yeah. Okay, Mike Singer, Notre Dame Football Recruiting Insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat and live on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. So let's get to a 2024 linebacker recruit, Teddy Rezac. Give us some information on Teddy, and, see, and has he visited Notre Dame yet? Yeah, it's really interesting, Darren. You know, and, and for folks watching on YouTube, Polta, you know, there he is on his visit. Wow. Um, for folks watching, you can see uh, you know, his, his cool visit picture. So here's the really interesting deal. On May 1st, that Monday, Teddy Rezac had not talked to Notre Dame before. Tuesday, Al Golden's at his high school. <laughs> Thursday, Chad Bowden's at his high school. And Bowden is not one of the 10 assistant coaches, but when you – don't have an assistant coach on the road, then you can fill in that spot. Like Dylan McCullough had some kind of personal slash work matters. It was kind of a mix um, of, a, of an event he had to go to. Um, so he was off the road Thursday, which allowed Bowden high schools twice in there in the spring of Val period, something like that. Um, and then by the end of the day, Thursday, Rezac picks off an office in Notre Dame. Sunday, he's on campus. Monday, he's also on campus, and uh, it's just kind of just been a whirlwind for him. So, not a very highly ranked prospect. On three industry ranking, has him as the number 919. Half 185 pounds. I, it's my understanding he was really a safety, um, you know, as a junior. But he's a linebacker. I mean, in that size, you know, I'm told that Notre Dame's really impressed with his size, his length. He's got the height. I mean, you had Golden see him, Bowden see him, then he was just on campus. Everyone's really impressed with him from what I'm told. So, look, I, I don't want to sell Notre Dame. Like, my job's not to sell Notre Dame fans or anything. My job's just to, you know, report what I'm told. And, and I'm also going to give you guys my opinion as well. Um, but this is uh, – yeah, this is a young man who, uh, who learning sources are excited about. I don't know if I misspoke, Darren, but yeah, he played safety mm -hmm. during his junior season. But he, yeah, he's a linebacker at the next level. Like that's where his skill set translates most. You see him on that film for folks watching on YouTube playing near the box, and here he, here he is at the receiver. So um, again, not highly ranked, but he's when you play out of position and. He's from Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, it's not a total hotbed for college football recruiting. It's got good players for sure, Nebraska, but not again. I'm talking about Atlanta or or Dallas here. Um, so Missouri offered him over the weekend. Like he, he's picking up a lot more steam. I think the Notre Dame offer kind of you know set the country like oh like we, if Notre Dame offered like we we need to take a look at him as well. So it's an interesting prospect for sure. He's a really good athlete, good size. 
uh, comes from a pretty good high school program in the west side at, at Omaha. Um, his coach also coached Xavier Watts, you know, when Watts was in high school a few years back. So an interesting prospect. I logged a prediction for him Monday after the, you know, after I heard how the visit went, uh, which, you know, the staff seemed to, to really crush it. And, uh, again, the Notre Dame assistants weren't on the road because they're out for the spring evaluation period. So it was you know, guys like Bode and Max Bola, former Michigan State linebacker, who's now on the staff in Notre Dame, replacing James Laurinaitis as that, you know, what are they, grad assistant analyst, whatever. Uh, Dre Brown, director of high school recruiting, and then Marcus Freeman in town on Monday. So Freeman was able to meet with Rizak as well. And again, went really well, logged a prediction, and uh, I think there's a decent chance that this guy ends up as Notre Dame's first linebacker in the class. But that remains to be seen. Since you mentioned the word safety, let me just ask this for our listeners. You spent a lot of time not only doing a lot of work on recruiting, but also you watched the transfer portal. Is there anything happening, do you think, for the Irish trying to add some more safety depth for the 2023 campaign? Yeah, that's something I actually reported about at Bull and Gold. Um, you know, they offered the, the Rhode Island safety with Antonio Carter um, and, and had that story up at Blue and Gold. So Notre Dame offered him uh, Friday, and I wrote this article. Um, supposed to be visiting Notre Dame this week for an official. Um, so that's something we'll keep an eye on. I mean, the young man's just absolutely blown up with uh, tons of offers. So, um, yeah, he might be from Rhode Island, but, I mean, he's, he's got a lot of heavy hitters wanting him. So, um, you know, that's something Chris O'Leary talked about. Like, hey, after spring ball, we'll, we might go to the portal. And as always, I, I tell our audiences, Darren, like, Notre Dame's always going to look at the portal for the best players. Like, even if they're pretty loaded up to position, they're always going to do that. Safety does seem like a position they could use some some help at. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're taking a look at Antonio Carter. And um, transfer portal recruiting, Darren, is a lot quieter than high school reporting. Like, you know, all the high school kids, for the most part, post their offers on Twitter or Instagram, right? Not as much with the grad transfers. It's, a, it's you know, they're not – not all these guys are posting their offers. So a long way to say – there might be more out there. I mean, Antonio Carter posted about his Notre Dame offer publicly. That's not to say he's the only one, if that makes sense. Okay. So for more on Carter and what's happening in the portal with him, check out blueandgold.com. Since we're talking safeties, let's go to the 2024 class. Davis Andrews is a prospect that Notre Dame is looking at. Yep, and um, he visited Notre Dame for the blue-gold game. I haven't logged a prediction here, but I, I do think that Notre Dame's out in front, uh, 6'2", 190 pounds. I know, folks, he's another three-star prospect. But li- listen, I, I don't know what, what to say. Like, if Notre Dame really likes these players, it's, I, I, like, that's who they're going to go after. I, they're not going to be like, oh, we really like Davis Andrews, but he's ranked as a three-star. I don't want our fans to get upset. You know, like this is a this is a priority target for them. Mm. Davis Andrews from American Fork, Utah, is the number six hundred eighty four player overall, number seventy four safety. I mean, yeah, we might cry about if Notre Dame lands them. Oh, another three star. You can look at so many examples of three stars who panned out, three stars who ended up five stars. Looking at you, Kyle Hamilton. You know, Joe Alt was a three-star with minimal offers when Notre Dame got him. Mm. You know, like, there, there's just so many examples of it. Of course, there's a lot of examples of three-stars not working out. But, you know, like, again, they're going to go after who they're going to get. What, you think the Notre Dame scouting department is just, let's look at rankings and offer lists? 
no. I mean, they're going to go after who they, who they value, and we'll see if it works out down the road. So that's why I'm not a big, you know, oh, this is a terrible offer. And then on the other side of things, I'm sometimes over the moon about certain prospects, but I'm not going to be like, oh, Notre Dame lands this kid. He's going to lead him to a national title. This is the greatest thing ever. Like, I like to stay in the middle, even keel on some of this stuff there. And just, the overreactions can be a little much. Now, let's actually talk about Davis Andrews. Okay. Official visit scheduled for him so far, UCLA May 26th. Notre Dame June 6th. That's a midweek trip. And then Utah that weekend. So he has a top six schools list. Um I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. I'll have to pull it up real quick. Um, Notre Dame, Utah, BYU, Stanford, Tennessee, UCLA, and again, the officials with three of those schools. Now, starting in July, there's a rule that you can take unlimited official visits if you're a prospect. But interestingly enough, July is a dead period, so you can't even take an official until September. Um, but, yeah, in the fall, I mean, so Davis could take five official visits in June and then say, I want to take five more in the fall. Now, some of those schools might not want to host them, you know, because they know they're not even the mix. When I say, you know, and I'm just kind of using him as an example. But, yeah, I like Notre Dame here. Um, they're going to get that official visit the, the week of the, that midweek, June 6th. I like the Irish right now for them. But, you know, it's hard to say that with too much certainty, you know, before the official visits. I'm not overly concerned about that three-star rating because I'm just looking at his top six. There's quite a few top 25 football teams in his top six. Yeah, which that's fine. I mean, but that also doesn't mean squat. You know, like, I don't know, data points. That's, that's my whole thing, Darren. They're just data points. Just take them, take each little thing, the ranking, the offer list, you know, the context, you know, the competi- the context of, like, are they, do they play out of position? What's the high school competition? Heck, you even got, like, Notre Dame's after a tight end in, in Nebraska. I think he plays eight-man ball. Like, there's just so much there. Darren, uh, a, uh, a guy who I really trust in this business told me years ago, coaches and recruiting staffers are detectives. Like, they have to take in all the data. They need to go and get all the information they can. They, I mean, they got to talk to a lot of people. I mean, that's, that's, that's what this stuff is, Darren. you got to go – you got to search between the cracks. Like you, you, you have to uncover what you can. Um, so, yeah, I mean, could this be a hidden gem kind of deal where it's a three-star and he's an amazing player? Sure. And I'm just speaking generally here. Or could it be a three-star who doesn't work out like we've seen at Notre Dame many times? Sure. Just don't know yet. Well, I take Colorado on the screen with a grain of salt because they're offering anybody in the country since they have, what, 20 players at this particular time. So... <laughs> I saw a graphic, Darren, over 50 players have entered the portal for them this year or something that like amazing? that. Just absolutely madness. I used to cover the buffs. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, during Mac, Mike McIntyre and oh, yeah. then um, I think Mel Tucker's one year there. I was covering them. So that was before I, I got the beat here at Blue and Gold. I would not be happy as a person if I was covering Colorado. That lifestyle, that's awful. I mean, it, it's that's – as a reporter, no, thank you. Yeah, Dion's going to lead to a lot of Excedrin sales, I think, in Boulder, and the media covering Colorado football. But if it works, hey, good for him. Hey, if this is part of a master plan, Mike, hey, good for him. Do it your way. Do it your way. All right, so Mike, give us a little sales pitch on Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. 
Go to the website. If you have not signed up yet, six months for 30 bucks. There you go. Five bucks a month, if my math is decent. That's half off or, or so. Yeah, something like that. Go to blueandgold.com. Read up on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. There's your sales pitch there. Just, yeah, be informed and talk to thousands of other Notre Dame fans about Fighting Irish football, the Cubs, soccer, whatever. We'll talk about it all. Notre Dame hockey, even. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. All right. I'm sold on that. Let's go. Hey, Mike, good to talk to you. We will talk to you again next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. That's Mike Singer. I'm Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 